Back at J. Tom Waller Rink in North Andover, Mass, the score after two, Merrimack three, UNH two. This is Mike Macknick alongside John Leahy. Mike McMahon joins us from the Mac Report. Mike, we were just talking about that. Merrimack with three goals in that second period, two from Mac Welsher, another one from Alex Jeffries, but at three to one at that point late in the second period. They were in pretty good control of the game. Then you have the major penalty committed by uh, Philip Forsmark, really let UNH back into it. Do you remember a couple of months ago now when we were talking about how the second periods were their worst periods? Yeah. It seems like that's flipped here. No, not anymore. Uh, but yeah, no, that, that, that penalty did end up allowing them back in the game. They get the power play goal late. and They still, still got a minute of it here, uh, bleeding into the third period on a clean sheet of ice with fresh players. So uh, right now, I mean, that has the potential to be the story of the game if they're able to get one here early. What, what have you seen for the first 40 minutes of this one so far? I'll be honest with you. I, they came out of the first period down a goal. I actually thought they all played them, especially down low. I thought Merrimack had the better of the play. Uh, below the goal line for sure. You know, there was a couple of plays, uh, a couple of times in the first period, where especially the Welsher line, which it's kind of nice to see him get rewarded with the two goals in the second, because I thought he had a really good first period, despite getting his stick caught up and, and taking that penalty behind the net. He hit the post in the first period. He's that close to a hat trick right now. Yeah, I, I thought he's played really well tonight, so I, I said to somebody down the other end of the press box, hey, it's good to see him get rewarded, especially after I thought he played a really good first period, and then he goes in and gets the second one, too. Yeah, I say, you know, a lot of times a guy does good things at one end, and gets rewarded at the other end, and we've seen him make some pretty good defensive plays here, too. Yeah, that, that really is what that line's supposed to do, you know. Uh, obviously, you need all four lines to be able to score goals, but at the end of the day, I mean, you want that line to be out there, get the puck deep and keeping it deep and cycling and, and, and playing against the other team's top lines more often than not. So uh, that's kind of what they're tasked with. But tonight, you know, he's been able to find the back of the net twice. So this is a position now Merrimack hasn't been in for a few years. Uh, they're in the month of February, and they're in the hunt. They're in the chase. You know, they played themselves into the chase. True for UNH as well, right? Really, both these clubs have for the first time in a while. And they're both within reach, I would say, uh, certainly a first-round bye in the Hockey's tournament, which goes to the top five, the teams that fit in, finish first through fifth. But also, if you can even finish in the top four, you know you're going to host a quarterfinal game. Yeah, it's, you know, and the playoffs are going to be different this year. Uh, single elimination all the way all the way through. So I think that makes home ice even more important, to be honest with you. I mean, it's... it's it's hard to beat teams twice, you know, in a, two, in a three-game series on the road, but even more so in a one-game deal. I mean, you don't know what's going to happen. I think home teams have the advantage most of the time. We've seen that. I mean, that's been proven year after year. So if you're going to be in a one-game playoff against anybody, I don't care who it's against, you want the game to be at home. Uh, it's it's going to be big, especially, like I said, that single elimination, I think, is going to throw a big wrinkle into the playoffs. Question. Uh, so uh, we heard today the Winter Classic will be back in Boston next year. If you heard that uh, Mike Car- I should mention Mike covers all of uh, Hockey East as well in College Hockey for College Hockey Insider, College Hockey News, NewsRazone.net, uh, of course, uh, the MacReport.com, the Eagle Tribune, and uh, I don't know, probably missed something there. But uh, That's all. You got him. Good yeah. job. So, wondering now, if uh, had you heard that should the Winter Classic come back to Boston, that there would be a good likelihood of another Frozen Fenway happening? Yeah, I think it's a very good likelihood, yeah. Nothing's been announced yet. I, I, I think, though, uh, the ice is already going to be there when they had the Winter Classic. I think it was 2009, maybe 2010. Uh, Obviously, that was the first frozen Fenway because the ice was there. So I think with the ice there, I think the Fenway Sports Group is going to be reaching out to, to get not only Hockey East to do it a frozen Fenway, but last time they've done it, they, you know, Atlantic Hockey had a couple of games or some high school games, open skate, stuff like that. I would expect a lot of that to be back. Mike, uh, what are you hearing about Lindenwood? Uh, they're going to be a D1 school. You're hearing, hearing some things about them. How close are they to getting off the ground? Very close. I, they won't launch next year, uh, but I think I think they're I think the plan for them is to launch in 23. 
they haven't hired a coach yet. I mean, they got a cup program right now. Uh, I, I talked to a few coaches, makes it made it sound like they're uh, going to be looking at hiring a coach maybe this off season. Um, but yeah, no, they're they're on the way, and that's you know they're just one of a of a couple of teams that are on the way and have already arrived that I think are going to end up spurring some some more realignment here at some point. As we continue to look around college hockey, uh, well, first of all, within Hockey East and the Olympics starting up, Olympic hockey due to start up on February 9th. You got some players from Hockey East that went over with the NHL's decision not to participate in the Olympics. Uh, both Boston College, or sorry, both BU and uh, Northeastern lost their goaltenders. Two very good goaltenders, in fact. And Drew Comesso for BU had helped the Terriers to a 9-1-1 record in their last 11 games. He's the Hockey East goaltender of the month for January, the second time this season that he's been named that. And Devin Levi uh, could have been right there as well. He's got, what, nine shutouts, I think, something like that. And, uh, uh, you know, outstanding. And, and he's going to play for Team Canada. You can see these two, two uh, goaltenders go up against each other in Beijing, uh, halfway around the world, which is pretty funny. But my question to you is, uh, any word on uh, when you expect these players to return? Because I think it's probably going to have an impact on the Hockey East race. Um, you know, I haven't seen how either of those clubs are doing tonight, but when will they be back? I know Merrimack, for instance, is not going to face BU again. It looks like BU is actually winning 3 to nothing over Maine, while Northeastern is in a 1-1 tie with Vermont tonight. But uh, Levi for Northeastern, Comesso for BU. Uh, you know, assuming that the, the U.S. goes pretty far into the tournament, which it probably will, uh, when do you see them returning? I think the NHL, originally the NHL schedule, I believe, had them returning on February 26th. That was when the league was going to return. I'm going to guess somewhere around there, uh, which I don't know where that falls as far as being in the middle of the week or if it's near a weekend or whatnot. But the thing you're going to remember, too, is they're traveling back from China. <laughs> you know, it's not exactly like they're coming back from Vancouver or Edmonton or, or something like that. They're coming back from Beijing, so there's going to be a, a jet lag factor, I think, too. You know, if they get back, let's say those guys, all of them, the, the goaltenders, the, the skaters, uh, if they get back on a Thursday, I'd be surprised to see them play that weekend. Definitely not on a Friday. Uh, maybe you can get a guy in there on, on, on a Saturday, but it's, it's going to be, uh, I think, probably the end of the month, somewhere in that range, you know, 24 the 28th, uh, somewhere in that neighborhood. And the other guys I should mention, Mark McLaughlin from Boston College, uh, and also uh, Jack McBain, McBain going to Canada, McLaughlin for the U.S. team, but there's a pretty good uh, NCAA flavor in the Olympics this year, especially on the Canadian and the U.S. teams. I want to shift gears now and go out west a little bit. What's going on at Michigan? Uh, all kinds of crazy things. I don't know if folks have had a chance to follow this or read up on what's going on, but uh, there's an investigation that's going on. Of course, there was a question back right after Christmas with Michigan uh, did not play one of the, the uh, tournament one of the games at the Great Lakes Invitational, ostensibly because of uh, you know concerns about health and safety or so on. Uh, don't you know? Again, there's multiple uh, you know thoughts on what happened there actually, uh, but th- there's some th- there's an investigation that's uh, starting to come to the forefront here lately, and uh, it really seems like you know, there's a lot of crazy things going on there in Michigan. Yeah, uh, the, the investigation's ongoing. Uh, Mel Pearson, the head coach, is still behind the bench was last week is this weekend uh, I, I don't know what the results are going to be uh, I don't know that the official uh, announcement of why the investigation is occurring do you have that uh, they were, well, there was a couple of different layers to it it had to do with um, uh, COVID protocols last year potentially having a player uh, 
rely on a contact tracing form. The interesting thing about that was that Michigan was one of the teams that was then unable to participate in. They made the NCAA tournament last year, but before they even played a game, they were not able to play because of uh, COVID-related issues. So interesting that that is still going on today, that there's still some follow from that. Yeah, and, and we had we had reported there, there, up at College Hockey News that uh, one of the issues there, according to folks we've talked to, is that they, they traveled with a player whose roommate was positive at the time. So uh, the roommate was positive, the player still went on the trip, obviously shouldn't have. The player then subsequently tested positive because of contact tracing, and they weren't charged at that point. The NCAA was. Uh, most of their team was ruled out due to contact tracing, but because of that one player, uh, and they were out of the tournament. So that was one aspect of it. Uh, there's also, uh, it sounds like there were some potential culture issues. I know uh, it said in the, the uh, it was Michigan Daily, I believe it was, had details where a former player had uh, spoken up to the administration about uh, some culture issues within the program. The athletic director, Ward Manuel, who used to be at UConn, uh, asked the, the players to, to essentially fill out a survey last year about uh, what their thoughts on were, the culture of the program. Then there was also allegations made towards... Uh, what does this mean by, you know, that's kind of a vague term, right? The culture of the program. Yeah, it, it was vague. There was no real details there. But uh, the other thing that I believe they're investigating, there was no real specifics here either, but uh, the, the nature of it was creating a, a toxic work environment for females, female staffers was, was what the, the report was. So uh, no real details there. But again, I mean, those are... It, the thing that would concern me if I was in Michigan is it's not like there's a single thing there. I mean, they're investigating like multiple layers here. There's multiple parts to this. So this is an external investigation that's taking place too, right? They've hired a law firm to do it. Yeah. So uh, you know, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see what it, what turns up and what happens here. I mean, I, I don't know even a timetable of when they may may be complete. Sometimes these things are quickly and they're, they're done in a couple of weeks. I, I'm going to expect that this one may drag on a little bit just because there's multiple things they're looking at here. It's not like it's one allegation. They're looking at a couple of different things, uh, and I'm sure they're, they're going to be interviewing parties involved. All right. Thanks a lot, Mike. We appreciate it, as always, keeping us up to date on what's going on. Folks, check out his work, themacreport.com, the Eagle Tribune, eagletribune.com as well, collegehockeynews.com, collegehockeyinsider.com, and basically uh, anything.com. I'm sure Mike's there. So thanks again, Mike. We'll talk to you again soon. Sounds good. Thanks. All right. Mike McMahon, our guest here with the score, Merrimack 3, UNH 2, in the end of the second period of play. We'll be back with more right after this. This is Warrior Hockey.